You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you very much, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In this episode, we have Daniel Perez, a Trio alum of the Eastern New Mexico University Trio Upward Bound Program and graduate of Eastern New Mexico University and Washington State University. Daniel is in the program to share his experiences with the Upper Bound program and the valuable experiences he gained while in Upper Bound. So out of the multitude of interviews that we have, uh, Daniel, uh, I, I, was, I had the honor and pleasure to witness uh, Daniel go from a, a high school student to college grad to uh, pursuing his career. And uh, this is one of those interviews where I go, I, I have a lot of history with, with, uh, with the interviewee and we were able to talk about his experiences with Upward Bound, uh, reminisce a little bit about the programs and things in between. And uh, we really connected over um, our shared interest in music. And I think uh, Daniel is certainly one that uh, is very passionate about music. And, and you know, he, ch- he chooses this career path because he wants to educate students to form that love and connection to music. So coming up in just a bit, Daniel Perez. If you would like to be featured on Let's Talk Trio, you can email us at Let's Talk Trio, L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. We are currently in our Kickstarter campaign. We are looking to raise funds to upgrade our equipment, purchase new hardware, purchase software licenses, and continue to stay in the cutting edge of podcasting. So please head on over to Kickstarter, look for Let's Talk Trio, donate any dollar amount. We do have some perks for those donating $1 to $50. If you want to de- donate more, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, but we are a crowdfunded podcast. That means the funds that we get uh, via Kickstarter, it's an all or nothing. So uh, if we can raise the 40000 we are able to keep that 40000 and invest it into the podcast to, uh, again, purchase the new equipment that we need, uh, to purchase uh, software licenses, um, and use some of those funds to travel to institutions that host TRIO programs. 
I want to thank our sponsors, Student Access and Angelica Villalpando. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. So again, this episode was really fun to create. So we hope you enjoy. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My next guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is an alum of the Trio Upper Bound program at Eastern New Mexico University. Graduated Eastern New Mexico University with a Bachelor of Music with Distinction. Served the Trio Upper Bound program as a residence assistant hall director, and also an office work study during the school year. He also received a Master's of Arts in Music from Washington State University, served as a band director for Clovis Municipal Schools in Clovis, New Mexico, currently serves as the band director for Moriarty Edgewood Schools in Moriarty, New Mexico. I want to welcome a personal friend of mine and fellow ENMU Trio Upward Band alum, Daniel Perez. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Juan. I'm really excited and happy to be here. It has been a long time. We were kind of catching up a little bit before uh, in the pre-show. Uh, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, I know we keep up, uh, up in Facebook, but how have you been overall? How how things going? I've been pretty well. I'm uh, trying to keep busy and, and entertained during these uh, kind of crazy times <laughs> that we're living. But overall, I've I've been pretty well. Speaking of crazy times, I know that this has this pandemic has been throwing everybody off. How's your summer going and how are you handling life in the middle of this pandemic? Summer's been pretty good. Um, I recently made a move to Edgewood, New Mexico for a new teaching job. Um, and so that took a part of my summer kind of getting things together, getting ready to move um, and, and doing all that. But overall, I'm managing uh, fairly well through this pandemic, finding little things here and there that uh, help pass the time or, you know, kind of pique my interest. Right on. I, I see a lot on TikTok, Snapchat and Facebook, people picking up new hobbies or things that they're doing, like baking bread has been like the super popular thing <laughs> to do. Um, what, have, what skills have you picked up or what have you done since the stay at home orders? You know, I wish I could tell you that I've I've been super productive and picked up many <laughs> skills, <laughs> but uh, honestly, I I haven't. I've I've kind of just enjoyed uh, the free time when I can, and um, kind of just kept to myself, which has been nice. Right on. I think people usually reflect on this, uh, usually when, when they can't do or, or go to places. So I want to reframe this and have a switch th- uh, our, our thinking about this. What have you enjoyed most about this time about this quarantine? Kind of kind of piggybacking on uh, what I said, I, I kind of really have enjoyed getting to sit still more often than I do. Uh, there are times, especially during the school year as a, as a band director, that it can get kind of hectic. Um, being a band director uh, more recently in Clovis, um, you know this very well, that, that days go long. Oh my gosh, um, and, yes. And we put in a lot of time, especially during the marching season. Yeah. Um, and you, you were part of the band, right? I was. I was in Clovis, uh, Clovis High School Band, and yeah. I remember how hectic it was waking up early in the morning. And I know I only know on the student end, but I'm sure for the band directors, it's, it's busy and, and, it, and you put in a lot of work. Absolutely. Lots of long hours, um, but lots of good times too. So I guess overall, it's just been nice to kind of, kind of lay back just a little bit. Right on. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear that, uh, that Moriarty Edgewood picked up a new band director. How how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
I kind of saw that they were hiring, and I have a, a coworker who's the uh, choir director in Moriarty, who I went to ENMU with. Um, oh yeah. And so she she um, kind of gave me a call and, and asked if I was looking, and I was kind of on the fence at the time of, of looking for a new job, but um, kind of being in charge of a program was is one of the things I wanted. So once I saw that I would kind of be the head director and kind of in charge of things, I, I had to jump on the opportunity. That's amazing. Um, and, and your career has, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. And fortunately they did, they did uh, go through and offer me the job. So that was, that was great. That's amazing. And just seeing a person kind of on the sidelines, seeing your career progress as it has, you've been building from one step to another. But uh, before we get into that, and before we get into your career, I think the audience loves to hear about the origin stories of all, their, of all the trio participants that we interview. So for you, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up? And were you always academically inclined? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of local to New Mexico. I was uh, born in Albuquerque. And then shortly thereafter, moved to Portales, um, and I kind of grew up there. I went all the way through school there and, and also, of course, received my bachelor's degree there. Um, I'm the middle of three kids who, by the way, all have participated in the uh, Upper Bound program. Oh, yeah, yeah, form, yeah. Form or fashion, so that's pretty cool. Um, I, I was kind of fortunate, I think, to be academically inclined from the beginning. Um, something most people don't know about me is that Spanish was my first language, and that I kind of picked up English um, when I start uh, around first grade through school, and also kind of watching Sesame Street. That was something that I, <laughs> I did often, and it seemed, yeah. to, it seemed to work. Yeah. Um, I was also lucky enough to skip uh, second grade and enroll in the Gifted and Talented program. Mm-hmm. I feel like kind of those things coupled together set me in motion to be a little bit more uh, academically driven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you were growing up, uh, did you feel any sense of like that, that education was going to be a part of what you wanted to do or um, what were some influences or people that, that helped you along the way? Well, I can, I can tell you that early on, I I wasn't seeing education as, as kind of a career. Um, talking about, you know, junior high and, and around that time. Once I got into high school and I and I met some more teachers that were kind of bigger influences on me, my band mm-hmm. director being one of those, um, that's yeah. kind of when I started seeing that I, I wanted to kind of go into education. Right. So tell, tell us about your high school um, experience. What were you like as a student and uh, how did you enjoy your high school experience overall? Well, as a high school student, I feel like I was pretty darn involved um, in, in lots of things. I was basically involved in most things that the school had to offer except for sports. I was, no sports? No, I was uh, not very athletic, still am not, unfortunately. Um, I was class president all four years of my class. Oh, wow. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> People trusted. People trust you, Daniel. That's what happened. <laughs> that, that's, that could be it. Um, <laughs> I was involved in band, uh, of course, choir, theater, and uh, speech and debate. If I recall correctly, you being in band, you played the saxophone, right? That's correct. Yeah. So saxophone is my primary instrument. Um, and as a band director, you kind of have to learn how to do it all. But yes, oh, wow. saxophone is, is, is kind of my, my baby. My primary. Right on. And, and what did these activities help you do? What, what, did, what opportunities did they provide for you? 
Yeah, so one of, one of my favorite um, high school memories with these activities is uh, speech and debate. Um, for example, my senior year, uh, another classmate and I qualified for the National Speech and Debate Tournament in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, wow. We, yeah, it was, it was great. We uh, got to travel there and, and participate and kind of represent New Mexico, um, which was, was pretty surreal, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really cool experience. Um, and then on top of all of that, I was involved in Upward Bound, of course, from my rising ninth grade year all the way through the bridge program. So a total of five summers with Upward Bound. Wow. So five summers in the Upward Bound program. Yes. And I do remember one of those years because <clears throat> I served as a resident assistant for one of your years uh, at, at Upward Bound. Yes, that is correct. I do remember you being one of my RAs and one of the cool guys hanging out there. <laughs> and and I, rem- I, I, I remember your fandom for Harry Potter uh, was uh, definitely something that was there. Uh, yes. And I can't remember, it was a, a late evening thing when uh, uh, one of the movies was released. And I think Susan authorized for you and <laughs> a couple of, a, a group of, of hardcore fans to go see Harry Potter. Yes, I think I think it was led by Susan, um, and we we actually went with her. But yes, there were I think three or four of us, and we got to watch. Um, I of course can't remember which Harry Potter it was, but it was the summer release, and it had just come out, you know, a day or two prior. Yeah, and we somehow yeah. T- twisted her arm, which wasn't too difficult, <laughs> and, and got her to let us go, which was pretty cool. Upward Bound was is such a unique experience, and I know we're going to dive a little bit more into that. Uh, but I wanted to get into the next question about college and how sometimes first generation students perceive college differently for everybody. That it's either hard or it's something that they desire uh, to do. But for you, was college something the family pushed on you, or did you want to do? Where did that desire come from? Yeah, so um, I I am a first generation Mexican American. And I think um, with that, I kind of placed that desire on myself. Um, my mom always encouraged myself and my siblings to kind of do what we'd wanted to do, whether that meant college or not. She just wanted us to kind of follow and, and, and pursue our dreams or our goals and kind of follow through. That was her big thing is make sure you always follow through with what you do. Um, so I personally kind of felt like I owed it to uh, my mom who immigrated to the States and kind of left everything that was familiar to her. Yeah. Um, to give us a better life uh, and education, I felt like in, in, my own, in my own way, kind of by pursuing higher ed, I was repaying her in a very, very small way. Oh, that, that's amazing. I know that uh, parents, um, especially when they see their children go off to go to college, it's like a representation type of thing, right? Where you're symbolizing everything for your family, the kind of a, a hope that you're yeah. able to accomplish your goals. Absolutely. I mean, it was was and is a great feeling knowing that I was able to kind of uh, attain these degrees. And I know there's there's a um, kind of an intrinsic sense of pride, but also I know that um, my mother is, is definitely proud, which is really, really nice. Yeah. And you have siblings. So two other siblings that uh, were also in the upper down program. You're the middle, the, the middle child. Yes. Um, how did you find out about the tree upper down program? Yeah. So um, my older sister, uh, was in the program, not quite as involved. She found out a bit about it later in her high school career. I believe she did two years mm-hmm. um, of Upward Bound. And um, just kind of seeing how much she enjoyed her time and, and what she got to do 
uh, as a part of the program, really kind of motivated me to look into it. And as she was leaving high school, she's five years older than I am. So as she was leaving high school, I was kind of starting. Mm -hmm. And so um, definitely got to transition into it that way. Wow. And I can say, you know, because I I was uh, an upper bound when Naomi was an upper bound. And then, um, you know, I transitioned into college when you started Upward Bound. (laughs) And uh, I remember Raul, your your brother, your youngest brother, uh, (laughs) after I became a professional uh, with the same program. (laughs) So seeing you three, uh, you all had a different takeaway from the program. Um, and it, it, it definitely showed. And I think that kind of, and that's why I asked earlier about your, your siblings, like it must've been a different experience for all three of you. Yeah. I can't say, I, I'd be curious to sit down and, and talk with them all these years later and see kind of what, what really were their takeaways, uh, from Upward Bound. I, I definitely know that, that we all benefited from it greatly, but I know that we all kind of chose different paths and different careers and, um, I would be curious to sit down and, and see what, you know, what their experiences were like and what, what it means to them now. Well, if you're all are open to it, I'm happy to host a panel with just the Pettis <laughs> siblings to talk yeah, about might, your experience. That might be fun. Right on. Um, <laughs> what did you enjoy most about being a participant of the program? Man, I don't even know where to, uh, to begin with that question. <laughs> um, there's just so many, so many positives that came out of it. Um, I really enjoyed the the sense of community that it created. Um, I enjoyed getting to go on some pretty special trips that I probably wouldn't have been able to go other uh, otherwise. Um, I really looked forward to having those Saturday meetings twice a month and seeing friends from other schools um, and catching up with them. Because as you well know, you know it was a, a regional thing for us, and so we got to see some people that lived. Um, pretty far away from us and Mm -hmm. so that was always enjoyable seeing those people that you know we didn't get to see often only in the summers um speaking of i really enjoyed having that that summer component which i know wasn't um always available to all the upper band programs but we're fortunate to have that summer component um and kind of being able to not only interact with our classmates and peers but our ras like yourself oh yeah thank you (laughs) i remember many a time sitting down and us having chats about different things or Mm -hmm. talking about soccer or playing soccer you know Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um so it was always fun to kind of have those moments and enjoy those summer evenings uh, with the ras and and our, our colleagues or Classmates, excuse me. Yeah. And then also having uh, Susan Cramp, the program director at the time, kind of help me as I got geared up for college, um, help me one-on-one fill out scholarship applications. Um, that just meant a lot to me that she would kind of sit and take the time one-on-one to, to help me understand things and, and get to where I needed to. That was uh, very impactful to me. So this is this is still your your interview, but I did want to point out that Susan Cramp, uh, the current director for advising the advising center at uh, Eastern New Mexico University, uh, did play a huge role in the revamping of the Upper Bound program as as I knew it. And uh, when the new crop of students that started coming in, it was uh, Susan really threw herself into the program and really invested a lot of time in you all. Like, did what did you feel about that, and, and what did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you a lot. Um, from the outside looking in and as a student, I could definitely see her passion and see her her drive for um, kind of helping us succeed. And, and she took that to the max. Like you said, she really put all of herself into it, um, which kind of made things easier. I think it made us 
um, more likely to trust her and, yeah. and more likely to kind of throw ourselves into the program as well. Um, Absolutely. It, was, it was really great of her. I think even uh, as I was serving as an office assistant under Susan, um, uh, and I think I've shared this, uh, I don't know how many times, how many times I tell the story. Uh, <laughs> I would always run to Susan, uh, no matter what small question I had about my degree plan. She was the first advisor in my mind. Like I would, yes. my, my official advisor was Doc Elder at Eastern, but I'd always go to Susan because like you said, and I, I want to point and highlight what you said earlier, she just develops that trust. She knows she's very confident in what she's doing. And, and you can fully trust the next step that she's going to suggest to you. So yeah, I just yeah. wanted to highlight that real quick. And real quick, kind of to piggyback on that, I, I um, as a student at ENMU, and when she changed positions to, to the position you mentioned earlier, um, I would still go and visit her and, and have conversations with her during my undergraduate career. Um, even though she was no longer the upper bound director, I felt like I could, <laughs> you know, just go and visit and, and say hi and, you know, yeah. have those uh, conversations. It's really good when you can connect with uh, your uh, upward bound staff and, and the people that are represent trio, because you, you genuinely feel that they care. Yes, that is uh, absolutely true. Share with us some of your highlights or the most enjoyable moments of upward bound for you. Yeah. So like, like you said, I kind of got to uh, experience upward bound in a, uh, growing time and in a, in a time that Susan kind of was revamping it, as you said. So I got I got lucky. Um, some of the uh, places I got to travel travel were very memorable. Mm -hmm. I got to travel, for example, to Boston, Massachusetts, uh, to New York City, oh, nice. and to Washington D.C. Yes, um, all three trips that were really really memorable. Um, as a student. Uh, tra traveling to Boston and getting to see Harvard and MIT in person was just, you know, kind of surreal to be, you know, in one of those places and, and to see kind of the history of those schools was just, you know, amazing. I, I took a lot from that. Mm -hmm. I think you were on that trip. Was that right? Juan? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I went with the, uh, I think one of them was uh, the Washington DC trip for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh my gosh, it was an amazing experience and seeing you all soak in DC and, and get to seeing uh, the variety of locations. I think Boston was also in that, in that location, yeah. but uh, just seeing, because it was my first time traveling there too. I've never been mm -hmm. to Boston, never been to DC. And uh, if, I, if memory serves, for a majority of Upward Bound students, that was our first time flying. Yes, yeah. That, that's also kind of something wonderful about the program is it, it gives those opportunities and advantages to people that may not have them otherwise. Right. Um, I, I knew some friends from Clovis and Portales areas that had never, you know, been outside of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was neat that they got to do that as, as kind of a young person. Absolutely. Um, and then real quick, the, the, uh, trip that I took to DC later on when I was working as a, a work study. Um, it was Susan, myself and Ebony Cooper. Um, we, we got to travel to DC and, and be a, a trio alum for the council for opportunity and education conference. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was, was phenomenal. It was great to kind of see um, how much support trio truly had kind of on a national level. Absolutely. And to see, um, yeah, just to see the inner workings was just really cool. Really, really cool. Absolutely. And I think Trio still enjoys a lot of uh, political and uh, representational support. 
I think the community continues supporting the trio programs. Um, and it's just something that is ingrained with a lot of people because it, it does serve a, a greater purpose. Yes, I agree with that. What was the transition from high school to college like for you? As you were wrapping up your college um, uh, career or your, your high school career and then going into college, uh, did you know what school you wanted to attend at that point? Yeah, so um, my, my transition was honestly uh, pretty seamless. Um, and that was kind of due in part to the, the bridge program um, that the Upward Bound program offered basically kind of easing you into college classes, you know, the summer before and, and kind of getting you um, started with a leg up on most, you know, university freshmen. Right. Um, that kind of combined with joining the ENMU band kind of instantly created that family for me um, and mm. made the transition pretty, pretty easily. Um, as far as, uh, attending NMU, I kind of knew I wanted to stay in state and uh, take advantage of the scholarship uh, opportunities and availabilities that were given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did apply to Eastern New Mexico University, to New Mexico State, and University of New Mexico. But um, ultimately, in the end, I felt like NMU was was the best fit for me um, mm-hmm. and for what I kind of wanted to do. Why was NMU that best fit for you? What What was it about Eastern that you really really liked? I think um, it was it was kind of a a smaller university that kind of felt um, more close knit, and it felt like um, I wasn't going to be kind of one person in a sea of you know thousands. Mm-hmm. I felt that right 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 away, kind of in my in my class sizes and in um, being a part of the band. Everybody got to know each other fairly quickly, right. and we got a lot of you know interactions and face to face time with. Uh, professors, which in larger universities is not always the case. You know, there's sometimes where True. you're being taught by a, a TA or being taught by someone who's not the professor. So that was definitely something that I uh, enjoyed for me and MU. Now, you had a lot of professors at Eastern New Mexico University. I think for me, when I think about band, one professor stands out uh, out of all of them, and then that's Dustin Seifert. Did you develop a relationship, a close relationship with uh, Mr. Seifert? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Dustin Seifert is is a uh, a very very good at what he does, and he's very professional uh, about it. And he always um, made it very clear that we could go to him with any issues we were having, whether it was degree related or whether it was you know personal or anything like that. Just like a, a good band director, he was kind of also uh, wearing his uh, counselor hat <laughs> at any t- given time. So. That was um, uh, always good to kind of be able to reach out to him for different things. That's awesome. Tell us about your journey at Eastern New Mexico University. Did you have an expectation for this school? Yeah, so I feel like my my time at ENMU um, was was very memorable. Um, just as as an aside here, I, I started at ENMU when the music building was uh, being renovated. Mm-hmm. So for the first two years of, um, of my career in college, the music department as a whole was kind of displaced across the university. We didn't oh, really, have, really? Yes. We didn't really have a home. Um, I can't think of the name right now of the, of the uh, dorm we were in, but it's now been demolished. It was, it was kind of near uh, the San Juan apartments. Um, 
kind of that area. I remember uh, that that had happened where uh, the renovations were taking place in various universe, uh, various colleges in, in the university were being uh, told to go elsewhere. And I remember yes. the music uh, program was being impacted by that. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we were kind of all over the place. And, and due to that, one of my favorite memories um, with my private lessons professor was kind of sitting in his, what was called an office at the time, which was an old dorm suite <laughs> uh, with a shower and all. A shower. Oh my yes. gosh. Yeah. It was, uh, had a little, <laughs> a little kitchenette and a little uh, shower and stuff. It was hilarious to kind of be in this old dorm room taking yeah. private lessons. <laughs> I mean, definitely a, a far cry from the soundproof rooms or the, the uh, office setting, the professional yes. setting that you're used to. Absolutely. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, on the flip side, my second uh, two years were, were great because we got to kind of get back into the music building and kind of be that community again. Um, we weren't kind of all over spread all over the university. Instead we were, you know, living in the music building. Um, so that, that was, uh, really nice. Um, and to answer your other question, I, I didn't really have necessarily an expectation uh, mm -hmm. for NMU. Mm -hmm. I just kind of took it uh, one semester at a time and did my best to, to really be present in the moment and, and kind of observe what was going on around me. Um, you know, they say, and, and you can attest to this too, they say that, you know, college goes by in a flash and then you're oh always going to, you know, you wish you had taken more time or that you'd been there longer or that you, you know, <laughs> done more things. And that's very true. It feels like it, it, it passed in the blink of an eye. Oh my so God. I tried to yeah. be present, but you know, lots of things. And I, I, I completely agree with you, Daniel. Like uh, I think four or five years later, uh, you know, graduated and then uh, getting into a master's and then graduated again. And then you look back and you reflect and you're going, Oh my gosh, did, did I really just spend almost nine years of my life in college? And did I not, if you, if you were participating and engaging it, right. It, it, there's a experience that comes out of that. But uh, if you, if you disengage, then it almost feels like you invested a lot of time, but got a little, very little in return. But um, uh, do you feel like you got a lot in return from Eastern? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I definitely feel that um, if anything else, developing those relationships with those professors, uh, especially like we mentioned, Dustin Seifert. Um, I feel like I definitely got a lot out of my education there. Um, not just, you know, literal education wise, but also kind of building those relationships. Right. All right. Well, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Daniel Perez, trio alum and music educator. with Daniel Perez. He is a TRIO alum of the Eastern New Mexico University TRIO Upward Bound Program. Daniel, you were talking to us about your experiences at Eastern New Mexico University, and we were talking a little bit about uh, all those experiences with Upward Bound as well. Um, what did you learn about yourself while at Eastern? Yeah, so um, kind of as, as cliche as it might sound, um, I learned that I, I did want to truly become an educator. Um, in the in the sense of, of becoming a band director mm -hmm. i learned i really learned that i enjoyed collaborating with people kind of in an ensemble setting and um really just enjoyed making music and i didn't want to see kind of the rest of my life without that that component oh, yeah um I, and I, I definitely knew that i wanted to 
if I could pass it on to um, other students. I felt like the years that I've known you in Upward Bound and even after that music would always be a huge part of your life. That music kind of was this part thing that was part of you and uh, seeing you become a band director. Like I, I, I'm not surprised, but I'm in awe of where you are. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I, uh, definitely have enjoyed doing it and I'm, I am glad that I, I chose what I did because I feel like I'm in the right path because even though I have the, the title of band director, I'm a, I'm a teacher first and, um, some people don't see this on the outside looking in, but teachers kind of teach many other, you know, qualities and things outside of their f- subject all the time. Absolutely. You, y'all are wearing multiple hats. You're yes. a mentor, you're a coach, you're uh, a person that's there emotionally for the students. Uh, sometimes you serve as a psychiatrist because uh, if a student, I know from personal experience being a, um, a former band student that uh, the director that I had, uh, Mr. Gordon Hart, that, he was always there to provide that guiding light that, that mm-hmm. uh, made you feel confident and made you feel like uh, you were centered. So I'm sure the students feel like that with you, that you're their guiding light and the person that holds them to the center. Well, I sure hope so. I, I think there are some that definitely do. So you graduated Eastern New Mexico University. What year was that, Daniel? Uh, I graduated 2012. My gosh, has it been eight years already? <laughs> it has. <laughs> My goodness. So then from there, you then went on to Washington State University. What was out there for you and what were you pursuing? Yeah, so um, honestly, Washington State University came about um, after applying to lots of graduate programs across the country. Um, I kind of my toes in all across the country to see kind of what was out there and what what offers could possibly come through um because as, as you know grad school is is not cheap oh it's and not you, <laughs> and you want to try to do your best to kind of have a way to to fund that if possible absolutely um, and so uh, washington state university was uh, in the end the one that gave me the best offer financially um so i ended up receiving a full-time teaching assistantship both years that i was there um, and so that, that involved, you know, covering tuition as well as having employment on campus and insurance and all that good stuff. It was, it was um, kind of an opportunity that I definitely did not want to pass up. Absolutely. What a great opportunity and, and something that you really uh, could benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Graduate work is definitely, definitely at a different level. Can you share that experience with us? Because uh, I know a lot of TRIO students that are listening in and they're like, wait, you can go beyond a bachelor's? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. There are um, lots of opportunities out there. So uh, graduate work for me is is really intriguing because it's really like narrowing uh, the scope of study even a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like when I started college, I was excited to be with people that were musicians and that wanted to do the same thing I did, you know, that were interested in the same things, you know, same classes, stuff like that. But with getting an undergraduate degree, um, you have to take all those pesky general education courses that right. um, most people don't want to take. Right. Right. Um, I can recall sitting, you know, in a, in a science lab and thinking I'm going to be a band director. Why am I, you know, in the science lab right now, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it's part of, part of the deal. <laughs> part of the university. Uh, right. It's the first four year college experience. That's right. Um, so with grad school, it's, it's kind of your specialty all the time. So I was in music courses all the time and that just makes it so much more enjoyable because it's so uh, narrow of a scope. 
And it definitely tests you as a student because the academic rigor of a grad program can definitely be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of give you an example, for me, uh, in order to keep my teaching assistant status uh, throughout the, those two years that I was there, mm-hmm. um, I had to maintain a solid B, uh, oh. B in every class every semester. So if oh, I wow. dropped below a B minus, um, it was considered failing. Oh, my gosh. And so the, the expectation in the bar was uh, always kind of set high. Yeah. Um, there were definitely many nights spent uh, in the library doing research and trying to make sure that I had my stuff together to make sure that I, you know, stayed above that grade. Um, also, uh, in grad school, I played in several ensembles um, that were kind of more high level, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed making music uh, with them and uh, definitely made some lifelong friends and mentors at my time uh, at Washington State. Do you want to give them a shout out now on the podcast? Yeah. So um, to my, my good friends now, um, I'll, I'll really quick and aside on that is um, when you're a teaching assistant, assistant you're kind of uh, a teacher as well as a student. And so um, master students at my university were the highest level. There weren't any PhD candidates. So a lot of the professors saw us kind of as equals Mm. as well as students. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say that some of these professors I'm about to mention, uh, are, I know I consider my, them my friends now and then as well because we were kind of in that in-between. Um, mm-hmm. So Dr. Dan Pham, the director of bands uh, at Washington State University, and uh, Dr. Chris Dickey, the professor of tuba and euphonium, two really wonderful educators that um, I still keep in touch with all the time. Yeah. After you graduated uh, Washington State University, uh, what year was that? Uh, 2014. So in two years, after two, after two years at WSU, you graduated, got your master's, and did you immediately find any jobs at, w, at Washington State, or, or were there, was there a decision to come back to New Mexico? Tell yeah, us a little so, bit about that. So I'll be honest, um, and you may know this as uh, starting out as a younger professional, sometimes finding a job right out of school can be challenging, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I, I had applied to lots of uh, public schools in the area, in both Washington and Idaho, because um, I kind of wanted to stay in the area for a little bit and teach and see you know, what was out there. And so uh, after graduation from WSU, I did uh, receive a job offer in an open reservation in a town called... Oh, wow. Uh, Kamii, Idaho. Uh-huh. Um, and so there it was kind of a really small uh, school, K through 12. They probably had uh, 500 students or so, five to 600 students. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I uh, ended up teaching Spanish, band, and choir. Wow. <laughs> um, so I definitely had to kind of be on my toes as a first year teacher trying to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was kind of short-lived because um, I had a family emergency with my mother. Um, she was in the hospital for several weeks, kind mm-hmm. of um, halfway through that school year. And so that kind of led me to um, want to be closer to her because I was so far away, kind of in a, in a time of need and an emergency. So that's kind of what motivated me to get back to New Mexico. And what do you enjoy most about, uh, well, first off, I just want to say, uh, I hope everything, uh, you know, uh, with, with family, I know that it can be urgent and, and things, uh, that you need to come back to definitely. Um, I know during that time was pretty difficult. Uh, I remember, 
uh, on Facebook that uh, you had posted something and uh, definitely kept your family in prayers at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know like that that was the, the, the thing that pulled you back to New mm-hmm. Mexico. Yeah. Um, so getting into this question, what do you enjoy most about the field that you're in and why does music speak directly to you? Yeah, so I think I, I really enjoy uh, interacting with kids and kind of having uh, various levels of impacts on their lives. Um, for me personally, if I can somehow reach a student, whether that is, you know, them sitting in band and really enjoying band all the time, or me just kind of lending an ear to um, someone that needs to, you know, get something off their chest, that, that just means a lot to me. Um, educators in general are, are special people um, because they really do influence the next generation of leaders. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I am an educator. I really think that uh, across the board, I think educators have a lot of influence on, you know, how what kids do and how things turn out for them. Um, I really feel like uh, music s- speaks to me because it's something that I've enjoyed in school myself, um, all through school, and I've seen kind of the impact that it had on my friends and myself. Um Music is one of those things that is kind of a living, breathing organism that uh, kind of when you're in a performance with an ensemble, it feels really special because mm-hmm. it's unique. You know, it's you, you won't ever perform that same piece with those same people in that same setting. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's, that's very special. Um, yeah. And I have always kind of approached all of our concerts that I've played in and, you know, conducted in now in that sense. And I make sure I let my kids know that, you know, it's a very special moment and that they should definitely enjoy it at the time. Yeah. Um, and then also just music in general moves me. I, I enjoy all types of music. Um, um, and I know Juan, you'll understand this too, cause I know you're a bit of a musician. <laughs> um, when there are moments in music where there's something, you know, growing in intensity or there's a crescendo, something's about to happen. There's a buildup that you can just feel mm-hmm. and, and hear that just those moments kind of just give me the chills and yeah. it's just a wonderful feeling. That is a wonderful description of you as an educator and you, how, how music speaks to you. Uh, because I think a lot of music listeners would relate to that. I think that uh, music is very special for, for everyone and they interpret it differently. Uh, and going back to your point about how uh, music impacts everyone or when you perform a, a, a certain musical piece, it's, it's very unique for that moment because while there are different um, ensembles that will perform the same piece, there's only one version of that one piece that will ever exist being performed by that one group. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so sorry, my son it. is making a cameo. <laughs> Hello. Um, and that's what, that's what makes it really special. I, I, I definitely think it's, it's something that I see myself doing the rest of my life. Absolutely. 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 As you reflect on your journey, Daniel, can you share with us now how trio made an impact on you? Yeah. So any, anytime I kind of look back uh, on my life to this point, uh, there's, there's no way at looking at it without trio having, you know, been a part of my life, you know, as a first generation Mexican American, as I mentioned earlier, you know, trio definitely, afforded me some opportunities when it comes to higher ed that I may not have had otherwise. Um, it opened my eyes to opportunities that I was completely unaware of, especially um, at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Um, and trio, I think is something that I'll always kind of look back on fondly and, and appreciate um, all the time that I spent um, all those summers 
in all those different um, venues and locations and, and all the time that I spent with different people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Right on. And I, I love the way that you answer those uh, reflective questions about Trio and, and what it means to you. It really sounds like it's made a huge impact on you. Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think I would not be uh, where I am without Trio, honestly. Right on. My next question to you is mentors are very important for a budding scholar. And uh, when, when I think about mentors and I think about teachers and professors, who were your mentors in this educational journey and what were some lessons they taught you? Yeah, so I, I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to have several people in my life that I kind of consider mentors. Um, uh, in reflecting on that, it kind of boils down to those band directors that have directly influenced me. Uh, first one being Brandon Borio, who is now the director of music education for the Clovis schools. Um, he was actually my high school band director for a few years oh, wow. before, before moving on to Clovis. Um, and so I always kind of joke and kid with him that it's his fault that I became a music educator. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of put it on him. <laughs> um, Brandon took over our high school program uh, in Portales when it was kind of in rough shape. And uh, it, it um, kind of turned around pretty quickly under his uh, leadership. Um, I think he taught me that when you set high expectations for students, they'll achieve their full potential. Um, and that's something that I, I strive to do myself now as an educator and as a band director. I try to set the bar really, really high. And if we achieve it, great. And if we get close to it, you know, great. As long as that, those expectations are set, I think it's so important. Um, and that could be translated to so many other fields. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, and then another one that we've already kind of mentioned a little bit uh, is uh, Dustin Seifert, director of bands at ENMU. Um, he's somebody that I admire tremendously. I still go to uh, him for advice um, in our career field often. I, I text him and call him, and we have conversations pretty frequently. Um, in in college, he was very good about being uh, real with us in, uh, in rehearsals and, and things like that. During some rehearsals, it felt like we were kind of in a freshman <laughs> seminar setting <laughs> um, because sometimes he would kind of go off on these tangents or go off on these kind of real-world situations. And I think he really taught myself and, and the people in the ensemble in the room at the time a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, whether it was on purpose or not. He, he definitely um, taught us a lot. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I think he's also really highly regarded in, in the state of New Mexico and across the country um, as, as, a, as a good music educator. Um, I know he holds some national offices as well. So mm -hmm. it's definitely uh, someone who's really impacted my musical career. Absolutely. Wow. And I'm sure they appreciate that shout out. Um, and now for you, you're now turning around and educating future music musicians and leaders. Yes. Can you share with us your experience as a band director? I, I um, have really enjoyed my, my time as, as a band director. Obviously, this is kind of the, the end goal when you're sitting, you know, in those college classes and sitting in all those different courses, you kind of see this future of yourself and what that's going to be like. Um, I really think I've, I've uh, enjoyed every moment of it. Um, in my experience making music, uh, learning your instrument and um, making music are obviously very important aspects of band. 
um, but so is making those kind of one-on-one genuine connections with students. Mm-hmm. Um, I can share with you that leaving Clovis um, and, and making the difficult decision to, to become a band director where I am now um, was hard because some of those students that, that kind of um, ha- we had those one-on-one connections with made it difficult to leave. Um, I mm-hmm. got some really nice, really nice notes that made me uh, very emotional and very oh. um, happy to, to have been there, but it also was sad to kind of have to leave. Um, right. So kind of along those lines, um, some of my favorite moments in, in teaching have come from those conversations um, with students before school or after school or during lunch, them wanting to just come in and chat or come in and practice their instrument. That's always been kind of special to me. Obviously not, not now during the current <laughs> COVID situation, but <laughs> right in a typical setting. Yeah. Um, and always just kind of having the band hall be a safe space for some kids um, was always uh, important to me because I know that's what some definitely needed. Absolutely. Um, and, and it really is, you know, something special and that I hold near and dear to my heart. And if I'm able to reach, you know, a few students a year, I'll definitely feel like I've done my job for that year. Absolutely. And, and from one belt, fellow band person to another, I know I use those um, practice spaces or even the open band hall just to be in there and do whatever I needed to do, either to catch up on homework or, or really just practice. And, uh, and uh, for me, uh, when I think about you and, and um, I, this is kind of like an offshoot question, but does it feel different now uh, when you would go into the band hall and practice versus now you going into the band hall and hearing your students practice. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's a different, uh, feeling. It's very rewarding to kind of know that you are facilitating, um, this space and, and the situation for the kids and that they want to spend their free time with you. That's also, um, something that most people don't think of, you know, when they come in before school or after school and they don't have to be there, you know, most high schoolers, especially kind of, you know, the bell rings and they're out the door and in their yeah. car and out, you know, <laughs> right. They're ready to go. <laughs> but as, mo- as you know, a lot of band kids, you know, will come after school and hang out in the band hall for 30 minutes just to, you know, see the director or see their friends. And I think that's just kind of a, a cool um, byproduct of, of what a band hall, you know, is to most. Absolutely. Daniel, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, I wanted to ask, what does the future hold for you? What is next for you? Well, um, I just uh, started this this band director job here in, in Moriarty Edgewood, and I'm excited uh, for this new challenge, kind of taking on my own program. Um, but I have thought, of, uh, and this is just thinking, but I have thought about going back to get my doctorate um, to be able to teach collegiately. Uh, but I'm not sure on that yet. Um, it's it's just a thought at the moment. <laughs> um, I really do enjoy teaching high school and middle school students a lot. Um, I do aspire to someday be the head band director at a large um, high school, maybe here in New Mexico or in Texas. Um, just a large, you know, six A program would be mm-hmm. kind of kind of really neat. Um, but who knows? what will happen, especially given the current climate and state of the right. world, <laughs> not to get too, too much into that, but you know, that definitely has a factor in all of our lives currently. Absolutely. Um, and as we all know, things can change super fast. So for now, I guess I'll just take it, you know, a little bit at a time and see, see kind of where, where the future takes me. 
Absolutely. I think that's all we can do for now, right? Is and really enjoy the moment that we have and the positions that we hold and what are, how we can influence the people that we talk to. Yes. Absolutely. Daniel, it has been an honor to have you on the podcast. I want to thank you for taking some time of your day to speak with us and to share your experiences about Trio. Juan, genuinely, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really happy to be a part of this and I'm really excited to continue to see this podcast grow. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, as we see the podcast uh, going nationwide, we really, uh, really feel the honor on this end because uh, it's trio students like you that make these stories uh, much more um, the persistence, the, the determination, and then seeing you succeed really puts a highlight on why trio programs are important. Thank you so much. So can you do us the huge honor in signing off for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is Daniel Perez, graduate of Eastern New Mexico University with a bachelor's in music and Washington State University with a master of arts in music. I am a proud TRIO alum of the Upward Bound program. I am a music educator and TRIO works. Daniel, great sign off. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. What a great interview with Daniel Bettis from Eastern New Mexico University, Trio Upward Bound alum. I want to thank Daniel for being on the podcast. We had a great conversation. I felt like uh, a lot of students can relate to, um, even Trio alum can relate to what he's talking about, that uh, going through the journey, really the journey of self-discovery and uh, going through uh, the college experience and eventually finding your career path and your passion. So Daniel, again, thank you for being on the podcast. Remember, if you'd ever like to be featured on Let's Talk Trio, please send us a message via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can send us a direct email at Let's Talk Trio, all one word, Let's Talk Trio, spelled L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Student Access, and Angelica Villalpando for continuing to support the podcast. Thank you all so much. Remember, you too can be a sponsor. Right now, we are currently in our Kickstarter campaign. Head on over to Kickstarter, pledge any dollar amount. We're currently doing $1 uh, to pledge or up to $50 for pledge. We are looking to crowdfund our podcast. This podcast is going to outreach to various students, staff, alum from all over the United States. So every dollar amount helps. Right now, our perks is if you uh, donate it, just a dollar. A dollar would get you permanently on our Kickstarter founders recognition. So we would uh, commemorate your name under the Kickstarter campaign that you funded us for this upcoming year. For those of you who donate $5 or more, we have limited edition Let's Talk Trio decals. You could proudly display that on your vehicle or uh, anywhere else. Uh, and we have two designs and right now we're trying to unofficially determine what should be our new logo. We've, we've had this logo for the current logo for about two years and, uh, 
Amelia Castaneda, who is our wonderful marketing manager, has been inspired to look for a new design. And right now, we have uh, another alum of the Trio Upper Band Program. Actually, funny enough, the brother of Daniel Perez, Raul Perez, uh, did a redesign of the logo. And you can unofficially vote for the design. So by your request of which decal you want, we would send that one to you if we meet our funding goal for September. Amelia Castaneda also has her own design inspired by the Let's Talk Trio podcast. And uh, it, again, it's a wonderful uh, take on the microphone logo and what Trio represents. And both of them do a really good job of conveying that interview style, the Trio upward bound the, and implementing the microphone. So uh, if you prefer Amelia's Castaneda, you, uh, Amelia Castaneda's design, you can certainly go in and request that. We will fulfill the first 100 orders. These are limited edition, one time only. If we do get an overwhelming response by people saying that they want the decals, we might be able to accommodate if we not not only if we meet our funding goal, but if people uh, decide to pledge um, via Patreon. So you can head over to Patreon as well and become a monthly sponsor. So again, we were very excited to get the uh, Kickstarter campaign. It's off and running. It's been up for about two weeks. Uh, we have about 46 days to compl- to get our $40,000 goal. Now, again, a lot of people are asking, well, why 40000 So uh, a couple things. Po- podcasters in general go off of ad revenue or they get paid by a company or get contracted by a company to do podcasting. Uh, we are not in that level. Uh, we've, we are outreaching to various educational programs that relate to trio or provide services to trio or are in the realm of being able to advertise for trio. So we're, we're targeting our audience very specifically when it comes to, uh, corporate sponsors or company sponsors, because we don't, we don't want, for example, a, a major, um, electronics company that really hasn't done anything for trio so our our podcast remains true to the trio message it's companies who've worked for worked for trio before uh or are currently marketing to trio programs uh we're outreaching to universities and colleges to see if they want to advertise on our podcast as well so we do have ad space uh for those companies that are interested i want to say a quick thank you to the podcast team John Russell, our editor, audio engineer, and music producer. Amelia Castañeda, our marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. Honorary members of Let's Talk Trio include Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Roderick Chambers. We want to thank you all so much for uh, listening to our podcast, for uh, supporting our podcast, sharing the podcast. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere, uh, practically anywhere now. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, and any platform that supports podcasts. So um, give us a search. Look for Let's Talk Trio under any of your favorite platforms. Again, thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.